Welcome to the Masters of Automation podcast. Today's episode, we have Todd. Todd Schiller is co-founder and CEO of Pixie Bricks, a company empowering everyone to customize the web and desktop applications for their own use. With their low-code platform, you can add a new button that triggers an automation or make an API call or change the UI for the UX that your employees and customers need. Prior to founding Pixie Bricks, he built knowledge management and business analytics tools for the world's largest hashbot and consumer companies. He holds a PhD in computer science from the University of Washington, where he was a National Science Foundation graduate fellow. It's my pleasure to host him today and to discuss a bit about the low code platform that enables you to change the UI of everything for a better UX. So that said, welcome, Todd. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great. Thank you for having me today, Al. Yeah, really looking forward to the discussion. Likewise. As just to kick off the conversation right now, uh, what made you get interested in the UX, uh, UI, local, no-code space? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I've, I've never actually been formally interested in like user interfaces and user experience. I didn't go to school to, to formally study it. Uh, so in college, I did study computer science, but all my best friends happened to be business and finance majors. So I started getting pulled into that world a bit. Um, so I did some internships in finance, and that was actually my first exposure to the low-code, no-code space. So if you really think about it, kind of the spreadsheet is the most successful citizen development tool of all time. So you in, in Microsoft Excel, you can start with static documents, you can add styling, you can add, add your text, and then you can start building out models with basic calculations. Uh, and then maybe some people haven't seen it before, but what people do in the financial world is they actually record macros, they write macros, they build out pretty much full-fledged applications in these spreadsheets that, that can run entire companies. Um, and so going back to school, what I found fascinating was programming was really about a way to capture human knowledge and finance was fun and that it was a way to like test that knowledge and, and get feedback. Uh, so after college, I went to go off and, and do my PhD in software engineering. There I was, I was studying how do programmers can, how, how can programmers actually prove that their software will do what they think it does? And so it turns out there was tools for this, but you really needed to actually have a PhD to use them. So my research was, was how do you allow programmers at all skill levels, whether a junior developer or a senior developer, to really gain confidence in, in their systems. Um, coming out of graduate school, I had a consulting shop building front office financial systems. And so there it was really about how do you enable these kind of high salaried, um, high stress jobs to, to really uh, be efficient, make good decisions, uh, and really uh, succeed at what they're trying to do. And really across all my clients, I kept finding the same thing. And so there's this joke uh, that I think people throw around, right? That everything in life is sales. So if you want to start a company, it actually is sales, right? If you want to get married, it's really about sales, like selling yourself to your potential partner. If you want to be a partner in a law firm, it's about sales and bringing in business. Uh, when it comes to computers, it's, it's the same is true for UI, UX. Everything is about user interfaces. If you want to build a game, it's about the user interface. If you want to build a productivity app, it's about the user interface. If you want to build a smart device for your home, like I have a smart thermostat, it's, it's, it's about the UI, UX. And so to me, low-code, no-code is really about providing a user experience that empowers the broadest set of people possible uh, to really accomplish what they want to accomplish. That's very well said, and particularly the democratizing the information for everyone to be able to use it. As, as you mentioned, that you, you need a PhD to be able to actually go in and edit the application. And so that said, um, it, it, it gives a good understanding about how, how things got started for you. What about what led you to start Pixie Breaks from your consulting uh, interactions in the financial space? So like you had a good understanding that the customers needed this information, this knowledge and the ability to access to that. 
So in a way, with Pixie Bricks, you guys are democratizing that access and bring that local to everyone. Um, right, yeah, it's actually a really serendipitous set of events. So I actually had met my co-founder, Mike Brandy, uh, at a previous business analytics startup where I was running engineering, he was running sales. Uh, the question behind that company was, uh, could you actually replace McKinsey management consultants with, with artificial intelligence or like a computer in a box, right? Um, and so we both ended up leaving that company, but we stayed in touch. And so during COVID, um, we both were living in New York City. We would take these socially distanced bike rides through Central Park. We would catch up and toss around business ideas and things we had seen in the previous work. And really a, a common topic of those, of those chats were about some of the massive amounts of inefficiency that we saw in some of our previous jobs. So I had been in finance for a decade. Um, he, he had uh, been a, a consultant in sales in a previous life. And so one day the discussion turned to browser extensions and, and add-ins. Um, I was telling Mike about the browser extensions I use. I swear by them personally. Um, so everything from privacy protection to during COVID, right? It's, the question is you live in different cities as your friends. How do you all like start the Netflix video at the same time and then chat about like what you're seeing on Tiger King or, or whatever else, right? Um, and it turned out also in previous jobs, like I had seen in the hedge fund space and the consulting space, people were creating their own company-specific Excel add-ins and PowerPoint add-ins for their analysts. Um, and so over the years, I had actually built some of my own browser extensions and add-ins. What always occurred to me was that it required a ton of specialized knowledge, and I was always reinventing the wheel each time I did it. And so that meant a whole bunch of Googling and a lot of like boilerplate code that wasn't that fun. And so after this chat, it really got me thinking around, well, actually, a lot of this stuff is pretty repetitive on the creation side. What if I could throw together a simple demo of adding a button to LinkedIn, but then allowing Mike to change what that button said and what that button did using just some, some text configuration? And so really seeing his reaction to that and his reaction as a non-programmer, we knew we were something on, on, onto something big. And so we started building it out. And as we were building it out, we started realizing it's, it's really not just about browser extensions. Browser extensions are great just because people live in the browser these days. But really, for all applications, whether it's Microsoft Excel add-ins, Google Workspace add-ins, or any of the other technology you might use in your life. So from your computer to your smart devices to the, the smartwatch that you're wearing on your phone, or even future technology like, like AR and VR. Um, and so from there, we, we started bootstrapping the company. I came on full-time when we landed our first enterprise account. He came on full-time when we landed our second large account. Um, and then we were fortunate in um, July of 2021 to close a round of seed funding with New Enterprise Associates. Uh, and actually, by the, by the time this podcast airs, um, we'll have announced that we've, we've closed the Series A with them as well. And we're incredibly excited to have Hillary Koppel McAdams joining our board. Uh, she really comes with a really great depth of experience on both the go-to-market, developer tool side, consumer, and, and low-code, no-code as well. That's a very inspiring story. And, and now, how do you see Pixie Bricks scaling across the future of work ecosystem? And, and I think that would be a very interesting aspect of it as well, because you guys are enabling any individual, any employee at any company, the ability to change the user interface for their own purpose, or you'll be able to enable a process owner, a process manager to modify the website that they find to be quite restrictive and mm -hmm. enable triggering RPA bots, enable triggering uh, Stripe, enable triggering many different capabilities to um, to make that UI work for them. So on the lens of that, how do you see Pixel Breaks now with the, also the push of the funding coming in, um, change the future of work? Yeah, so at, at Pixel Breaks, we fundamentally believe that the future of work is human first. It's about putting the human in the center of it. I think a lot of times when I hear people talk about future of work, they're coming at it from a view of 
like a particular SaaS app, like a CRM or a particular business process or process management platform or some platform like an automation platform or uh, a human resources platform or, or something like that. Um, and, and so these, these end up, right, there's a lot of buzzwords, there's a lot of Gartner categories, intelligent document processing, robotic process automation, hyper automation, all these things. Um, but what it really comes down to, right, is each person actually has multiple areas of responsibility. They're participants in multiple processes, multiple different functions in the business. They have multiple different ways of interacting, app, email, um, messenger. Uh, and, and so what we're really about is we want to think about the individual, like who is Todd, who is Alp, what are their needs, what are their goals, and how can technology, regardless of what that technology is, help them achieve that, and what are their preferences for how they leverage that technology. Um, and so it's really all about enabling the individual or enabling the business unit to really create the perfect user experience for themselves. So for example, um, I know a lot of people like using like chat interfaces to, to AI or other things where it's, it's actually, I can't stand that. I prefer to have another sort of interface to that of like clicking or seeing all, multiple options, right? And instead of engaging in a conversation. And so it's really about being able to craft the perfect experience for yourself, regardless of what enabling technologies that you're using under the hood. And looking at how the, the, the applications that the enterprises use, they're mostly legacy applications. And the websites are built at some point and um, the developer left a job so that nobody has any clue about how to change it. And then it has a very powerful use case to modify and change those in addition to um, in addition to the modern web applications that are out there that I, I've used Pixie Bricks to add a few productivity tools for myself as well. Um, like on LinkedIn, on publishing tools, in addition to making an external API calls, editing a button that was annoying yeah. <laughs> for me. <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a great question, right? Because um, you mentioned legacy tools, but it also comes up with even modern applications, right? So we live in this beautiful world right now where there's niche SaaS, SaaS offerings for essentially every function. Um, so regardless of what your job title is, there's probably a niche SaaS offering for you. And because of that, that's great because people can start catering software to you but also those might be indie developers, they might be smaller companies that, that can't even keep up with the feature backlog or sort of have the breadth of, of different capabilities built into their software integrations. And so whether it's legacy software or even modern software, um, where we come in at is the individual really knows their job best or the business unit knows, knows what they're trying to accomplish best. So how do we enable them to, to both integrate systems as well as change the interface on things, even if they don't have a programming background on their team? And so what's really great about it is because the human is in the loop, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need something that you write once and then it's gonna go off and run on its own for, for two years, five years, 10 years. Um, you can really embrace that imperfection and really embrace that personalization on what that individual's or what that business uses values as part of the process. Uh, and then as you mentioned as well, it's, it's really about eliminating that frustration for someone to be blocked on their internal system admins or the internal tools team or sort of sending a sending like an email out to an email address that maybe no one's even watching because that developer left left the company long ago and so it's really about empowering the users but then also empowering uh what what's what's really interesting about empowering right is it's about giving those capabilities but it's also about having a good safety net Right. And so making it so that it's it's OK to make mistakes, it's OK to experiment. And so you're not accidentally sending out thousands of emails if you mess up a line of code or you're not accidentally breaking compliance rules, et cetera. And so really, it's about combining that, that sort of safety net with also those incredible creator tools for people to really express themselves and experiment. That's very interesting. And I really like how you how you phrased it. And I think when when the modern applications are built 
thinking about the um, general perspective of the audience. So they will have the product feedback loop and the product market fit for the general audience, the average <laughs> of all okay. perspectives. And when you think about the enterprise applications that will come from top to down, thinking about how people should do it and then be much more documented, much more um, restrictive for people. So I, I see Pixie Breaks coming as a very powerful tool addressing both of those. And it's not only the average person, but it's more about for everyone. So that's why it makes it very human centric. So I really like that. And and tying that to a little bit of the adoption portion of it, because I've, I've seen that you guys been working with the community a lot and building a very uh, community centric company that ties to the also your product market fit uh, as well as uh, make, making everyone be part of this uh, low code platforms journey too. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how to drive uh, the community adoption of the product? Absolutely, that, that's a great question. I, th I think it's really been a blessing to be able to work on a product that I use personally in my life every day, both for, for personal and work that our community members use for both personal and work. Uh, and then are also used by thousands of enterprise users, right? There's this very interesting mix of, of use cases and what we enable. Um, and so our approach is really about making uh, both the product and the community and really everything around it, both accessible and approachable. So that means we're free for small teams. You only pay for, for enterprise features. So things like compliance auditing, um, the browser extension is open source. So you can trust what you're running. You can get transparency into the development process. Uh, we really try to make it so that there's a low floor to starting to use us, but that there's a high ceiling to what's possible. And then really trying to create that welcoming community for people to get inspired, get help extremely quickly, uh, and really showcase what, what they've created. Um, and so we, we sort of have been building up this ecosystem around the product and the community. So we have tutorials, a community Slack, a forum, we run hackathons. And so it's really about you can interact as an individual however you want to. We're not going to try to force you into a particular way of interacting. Um, and then we're just really celebrating the community and um, really being inspired by their creativity. So, for example, in the last hackathon, uh, one of the entries was someone who actually combined us with with OpenAI to to generate suggestions to to tweets while they're while they're using Twitter. Um, and so it's 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 really fantastic seeing that because it inspires us, and then it also inspires the other community members as well. Um, the other way that we take advantage of the community is it's really a way and a check to make sure that we're actually solving real problems for real people. And so that's always something where we're listening to the feedback to see what use cases are people trying to do, where are they getting stuck? Uh, pretty much every engineer on our team has spent uh, on any given week, they're spending time on Zoom calls with people actually seeing them use the tool and seeing kind of where, where they're getting stuck, what's easy, what's not easy for them. Uh, and then also we're, uh, we're, we're trying to crystallize things a bit. So we're actually working on a certification program so that folks have a clear journey if they want to for, for learning Pixie Bricks and then also signaling their knowledge off to off to their employers and their, their companies as well. Um, and then I, I think on the enterprise side, as part of that, I think it's really leveraging that community, but also realizing that the sales process is going to be it's a really educational sales process, right? A lot of people don't even know what we're doing is technically possible. And so the first sales call is often, hey, th these things are actually possible. And by the way, this is actually a low-code, no-code tool, so your own people can, can do these things. Um, and so as part of the sales process, we really, our goal is to, to get their team building things as quickly as possible so that they recognize the kinds of value uh, that, that, that really their own citizen developers or their own formal development teams within the company can unlock. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, as, as you're also I, extremely involved in the automation community, as well as the future of work community, I think being a multi-time UiPath MVP is, is also no small feat. I would, I would love to hear more about kind of what sticks out to you as being uh, the pillars of building a great community. I think the, one of the interesting part of the RPA community for me was that the first, the academy was uh, free and open. So anyone was able to easily learn UiPath at the time, and it was mainly for developers. So you're only people who were building automation within that community. But as as the platform scaled, then we had business executives, data scientists, process mining experts within the same group of people. And I think that brought the community to scale and the network effects, because then we got to know how an RPA developer would think, how an business analysts will think, and, and then that information transferred in between, and that helped uh, pretty much the community to continuously grow, uh, but at the same time, uh, build things for the product. Because when you think about it, I think this applies to Pixie Bricks as well, um, as people build more solutions, similar to the OpenAI solution that uh, you, you gave an example of, um, then you will see what is the art of possible. And as people see that, communicate about it, have hackathons, go to the events, conferences, the academy, and it's it becomes a, a community of its own. Um, and I think I see similar things uh, with Pixie Break, so how you guys do it, uh, do that, so kudos to that. Um, it's one of the powerful elements of the community that needs to be open, it needs to be accessible, and it needs to be for everyone. Um, and once that is reached, then the product, since it's also for the people, it's human centric, then ends up shaping uh, to a place that is unbeatable. Yeah, I, but, I love that, especially the point on really having that diversity of backgrounds in that community, because everyone's bringing on a different view of things. I, I really like that point. Uh, thank you. And I, I wish we can spend another hour. <laughs> it's all it's always lovely to speak to you and, and discuss the future of work, discuss the low code environment. I want to thank you once again for coming to the podcast episodes. It was my pleasure to host you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank thank you, Her, for for having me on. The the pleasure is all mine.